Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Atlanta dropped points in two matches this week, but still finds itself in a prime playoff spot. Can we secure where we want to be for the postseason come decision day? We discuss all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ. This is Tanner McLeod. Wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. The 100th episode of Five Stripe Weekly. Wow. Thank you guys so much for everything, for watching, for subscribing, for sharing, for liking, everything. It means so, so much to us. And so we want to do a giveaway, and it's a Tito Vishalba signed Atlanta United ball. Stay tuned at the end of the episode to find out how to win. But before that, let's thank our sponsor. This segment is sponsored by Mojitos Bistro. Mojitos at the Forum where you can find a slice of Miami and Havana right here in Atlanta. They offer Cuban cuisine made with recipes from their mom's cookbook. For more on the awesomeness at Mojitos, check our description box below. It's another jam-packed episode, so let's start off with the NYCFC match. It's one to forget, I think, for the fans, but definitely uh, for the team, I think that they should probably watch this on repeat and so that they can not let this happen again because it's a 4-1 loss at Yankee Stadium. Just a really kind of shocking performance uh, that I think has become commonplace when we ship a goal early and then it's just heads drop. It's been symptomatic of Atlanta ended on the road almost all season, if we're being honest. You had similar performances in the first half against LAFC and Chicago that when the goal started going in, the team didn't seem to know what to do. Chicago game, you can look at another bad performance from LGP. And yes, I think it's easy to single him out for, for criticism in this match because three of the four goals probably on the whole, he made individual mistakes that allowed the, the goal scorer to get in, but it's not entirely his fault. It's, it's a team failure on a whole level from the coach to the playing staff. So it, it was, yeah, it's a night to forget, but at the same time, it's a night to remember for that team yeah. because you cannot afford to put in a performance like that in the playoffs. Yeah, so. especially allowing Alexandra Mertrita to get a hat trick, a bear just coming back, uh, into the team, you know, gets a goal. It's just one of those things where, um, you know, I think, yeah, like we were saying earlier before the show, LGP, I think, probably was getting targeted. Uh, I mean, Miles Robinson, you know, one on one is a rock normally. And he makes the mistake. Yes, yeah. that happens. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, it's just. Like, it, it's, it's, just... it's yeah, and I think our, our uh, right center back and left center backs are being targeted in a sense because they know, yeah, Miles Robinson isn't going to win a lot of, uh, or against Miles Robinson, you're not going to win a lot of one-on-ones. And so with, uh, you know, targeting those kind of weaker points of the defense uh, and knowing that our wingbacks probably aren't going to track back as much and, you know, it's just because they're not naturally defenders, it becomes a little bit more glare, uh, glaring and highlighted because of that. And it's tough. I mean, you know, uh, like I think coming into the game, when you have... Pretty much Tito Vishalba playing left wing back, uh, at least, you know, at, for some portion of the match, he was very out of place. He he had a howler. Yeah. Let's it was, be honest, it was not a good game for him. No. Uh, he had a chance uh, to score with his left as well. I think it was just, uh, he kind of snatched at that chance as well. It was just, uh, all in all, you know, yes, it's a good that he got a run out, but, you know, it's just, I think, wasn't the game for him, I think, at that position at the very least. And then I think it's also good, though, when one regard that Frank DeBoer um, was able to at least experience Yankee Stadium. So, you know, at least maybe if there is that instance that we play there, uh, you know, in the playoffs, then there's at least uh, maybe some lessons that he can learn. 
but he I definitely think, needs to learn them though when you yeah. think about it because I think I think that's the most frustrating things for a lot of fans going into this match was that when you watched it you felt that it was almost entirely preventable yeah and for, from the get-go the tactical setup appeared wrong you were playing Franco Escobar on the right who's not as defensively sound in terms of his positioning when he's playing as a right wing back as opposed to the right center back when he's a bit more restricted you didn't have Julian Gressel to do the hard work out there you're playing Tito Vijalba in a position he's never played before as a professional and he was definitely not going to give you any defensive cover then you played with the midfield too, and we talked about the need to have a Jeff Lorenowitz in that game because he could at least shield you from the counter. Eric Hermetti had one of his worst games, and you could see that Frank DeBoer is frustrated with him after the match, okay. after he substituted him, because he couldn't keep his positioning because right. we were playing man-to-man -man in midfield. Mm -hmm. And it well, across the whole pitch, really, and it allowed NYCFC to have all the space they wanted mm -hmm. to attack the weaknesses in the center backs in those one-on-one -on -one situations. And because of DeBoer's tactics, you put your players in a position to fail. And then the players back it up by putting in a performance that was failure. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. But uh, yeah, the, the lone, I think, uh, kind of positivity from this match, I think, is that PT does uh, get on the score sheet. Uh, you know, he does pass that ball to Vasquez, who wins that, that penalty for him. And then, you know, he is able to take a penalty uh, finally because Joseph Martinez is not in the squad. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think PT seeing the back of the net is a good thing, I think, uh, in order for his confidence because he's definitely, I think, a confidence type of player for sure. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, all in all, you know, when we allow them 16 shots, uh, eight on target and we only get 10, I mean, it's, it's kind of been um, the tale of, I think September. I mean, it's been kind of uh, kind of forward in, in in terms of uh, us creating a bunch of chances, and especially, of course, it's always harder with Jose Martinez out. And so that that is like uh, you know, guys do need to step up in that regard. Um, and then yeah, I mean, there's just some really big examples of shotting defending in this match. Uh, another one being Flo Pogba uh, conceding that penalty, kind of bowls over Maxi Morales. I mean, just, I'm not even sure what he's thinking. Well, but, uh, the positive was that the penalty was just about as bad as a challenge. Exactly. So it, so, hand hand. It, yeah, it was, uh, thankfully, he didn't put that in because that would have buried the entire match completely. Four and a half um, Yikes. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so, and then, you know, uh, we were talking about Eric Rometty. Yeah, Mo Adams came in, probably got a yellow card, and he is out uh, for the next match, right? And then it's just, it's kind of, uh, you know, just the state of affairs, I think, at Yankee Stadium uh, for this match. But in terms of uh, getting into the post-match quotes, uh, Frank DeBoer had some very, uh, I think, um, frank things to say, no pun intended. Uh, he says, we want to play in big games. This is a big game. This is a big game. You have to also play with a big mentality. That we didn't show in the first half. He also said, we were reacting the first half and not anticipating. The first three goals, it's like a long ball, more of a counterattack than a buildup. Then it's about mentality and winning duels. In the first half, they were winning those duels and creating chances. And uh, Brad Guzan, he uh, also chipped in with some, uh, some things about um, our performance. He said, we were chasing shadows. They are a good team, and we were nowhere near on the same level as them today. And yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, I think the players know that, yeah, this was not the right performance. Uh, going into it, of course, the uh, lineup being questionable, there's just a lot of very questionable things that were happening in this match. I think the best way to sum up this whole match was Aaron Hyde's uh, little bit before the second half, yeah. and that can be summed up in one word, rubbish. 
Moving on. Yep, so uh, getting to a kind of slightly happier match. Uh, it, it was uh, at Stade Staputo, uh, or Saputo Stadium in Montreal. Against the Impact, we drew them 1-1. And yeah, I mean, not a lot of things happened in this match, but uh, I think, you know, some of the positives uh, definitely is Julian Gressel getting on the score sheet. That was a fantastic goal. Yeah, the, the one-two, yeah. Oof. Yeah, it was it was tasty, and um, yeah, uh, I think the uh, with the other goal, it was Boyan who uh, pretty much you know was able to uh, free himself from Miles Robinson and just find himself free in the box. And you know, it also helps when LGP dives into a tackle twenty yards yes. from goal with no cover and gives the, the completely misses and allows the defender to take the ball all the way down with no pressure to the byline have time to pick up a wide open Boyan and then they score. Yeah, yeah, when that happens, it's not shocking you can see the goal. Right, but I think uh, some of the other positives, uh, that's not a positive obviously, but uh, some of the positives that uh, we can take away from this match is that we were creating some good chances. Uh, obviously, yes, it's a kind of inferior defense uh, as opposed to NYCFC, of course, but uh, I think, you know, the fact is that we were creating them and we had a lot of shots on target that, uh, I mean, you know, arguably if the keeper didn't stand on his head, it, you know, maybe it would be a different type of day. Also, to um, be fair though, Brendan Vasquez missed a sitter. Then there was a couple times on the break where Petey had a, tried a chipped effort. Barca wasn't in a great position for a pass, but still there were some opportunities you felt yes. when the game was opening up because Montreal had to win. That if Atlanta United had played their cards right, they could have gotten that goal to get all three points, but it felt too often that they were taking those extra touches. They were unsure yeah. of where to play the ball, and if you didn't get the ball, you didn't take a quality finish. Yeah. So it, it was frustrating to see that, especially with so few games left in the season. And you need to start getting some confidence. You need to start finding some form yeah. with the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And for it's, the good there was, there was also bad, and yeah. you get a draw. Right. But, uh, you know, there's a disallowed VAR uh, goal that, I mean, I think uh, kind of plays into that where, yeah, we were kind of still snatching at our chances within that. Tito puts it away finally, but yes, Miram is ultimately offside because, uh, yeah, the ball comes off of the crossbar and Miram is uh, off, you know, just slightly. And I think with a leg and an arm, but yeah, still. Uh, and so, you know, it's one of those things where uh, that, at least they got it right in that regard. But, um, you know, obviously I think it's still two points dropped for most people in their minds. This is a team that we should beat. And the fact that we didn't, it's uh, still actually somehow works out for us. Yeah. It was also our first <laughs> road draw of the season and our last road match of the regular season. Baffling. Baffling. But, uh, yeah, we've had 10 losses, I believe, in uh, on the road this season. I mean, that's almost the polar opposite of what we were doing last season. And some more positives, I think that, uh, you know, Parkey getting his 300th appearance in MLS, really actually, he helped solidify uh, our defense, I think, uh, I mean, big difference from NYCFC also. I mean, you know, a different attack that we faced, but still a very, I think, potent attack in Montreal. So uh, yeah, Parkey and Larry coming in, I think solidified some things, provided some leadership, that uh, I think we sorely needed in terms of organization, in terms of uh, just knowing where to be positionally. So uh, I think that was fantastic to see. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, we'll need and probably need to rely on these guys, uh, you know, going into the playoffs really for sure, because uh, they're gonna be facing, you know, their former team, the uh, Revolution. So that will be uh, something that uh, hopefully does happen. But 
Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, yeah, I think the Barco free kick was incredible. Before you even get to the free kick, the fact that he came back from injury, I think, is the yes. most important thing. He finally got back Very on true. and got some minutes, and then, yeah, that free kick. Yeah, he, it shows that, yeah, he's still, uh, you know, that quality is still absolutely there, but Clement Jop is just, uh, just equal to it, and it's hella annoying because, yes, we had a bunch of chances to really put this match Evan away. Evan Bush was not a save that. No, I don't think so. For sure, for sure not. But uh, yeah, so you know, um, yeah, and then so uh, I think also Tito had a curler that was on target. That oh yeah, like he took it uh, in the, a kind of half turn, and then oh man, it would have been a beautiful one that would have boosted his confidence. Wouldn't but. have been the first banger from that distance he scored against yeah. the Impact either. Taking out of twenty seventeen when he scored that one. Exactly. He's, he scores bangers against them. Exactly. So it's one of those things where uh, there are a lot of positive things to come out of this match still. Uh, I think, you know, confidence boosters for sure. But uh, it's just one of those things where, um, yeah, I mean, two points dropped still hurts a little. But, you know, in the standings, ain't too bad. But uh, getting into the post-match quotes, um, Dr. Boer, he mentioned that we could have deserved more, but it's our first draw in an away game. That's something. But, are, uh, but when you are so close to three points and when you see the results of other games, it's quite bitter to only get one point. Uh, agreed there. Uh, it was a team effort, and from this we can build on. This is an effort I want to, or this is what I want to see from the team that wants the challenge to win MLS. This is an effort I want to see every game, and not only home games, but also away games. And so, agreed. Yeah, I mean, the I think that definitely the effort was probably our best one uh, sans Joseph. Uh, for sure. Uh, Parker went on to say, we are disappointed that we tied the game. It's a game where uh, game we should have won. Coming into the game, we wanted to win. But it's a better performance on the road than the last one. Montreal is a good team, and it's challenging to come up here and play. We were close to being able to close it out 1-0, and we had a good response when they did tie it up. Overall, a lot of things to be pleased about tonight. Agreed, and uh, I think they sum it up pretty nicely. So uh, that does it for the match reviews and gets us to the news. And how do the standings look, Tanner? So despite not winning, Columbus Crew did us a massive solid. They beat the crap out of, not really, well, they kind of did out of Philadelphia. And because of that, Philadelphia and Atlanta are now tied. But because MLS has very interesting tie-breaking rules in which the first tiebreaker is actually wins, and the second tiebreaker is then goal difference, both of which Atlanta United have a leg up on, on Philadelphia, and that wins, they cannot catch us because they have drawn a lot more games, we have lost them, we have more wins. They're not catching us in wins. If Atlanta United take care of business and beat New England Revolution on Sunday, they will finish second in the Eastern Conference, which means if you win your games, you will have the chance to host two games at home and only have to go on the road in the Eastern Conference Finals should Atlanta United advance that far and also should NYCFC not lose. So you have a good chance to be in front of the Benz, despite, again, not winning. NYCFC, they clinched first place. We all saw that coming. As of right now, though, if the playoffs started today and if, actually, if Atlanta United beat the New England Revolution, We'll be playing the New England Revolution in the first round on October 19th. Right, but the scenarios of with if we don't, that's where it's really going to be interesting as well because it could be any of the teams. I mean, yes. it's so close uh, between pretty much third and seventh. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, if we drop down to fourth, uh, or third, rather, uh, then it really could be where, yeah, you know, we could be playing a Toronto, a DC, 
Red Bull. Red Bull. And I think, uh, you know, the the most palatable, I think, uh, opposition that we want to face is New England Revolution. Despite the fact that they actually beat NYCFC this past weekend, which makes no sense whatsoever, but it is MLS. And just as a reminder, on decision day, NYCFC will be playing at the Philadelphia Union. So if, even if Atlanta doesn't win, if NYCFC beats Philadelphia, or as long as we match results with Philadelphia, I should yeah. say, Atlanta United will finish in second place. Right. So, you know, it's uh, it, it is actually going to be pretty tasty, but uh, I think overall it's still MLS going MLS. So. Honestly, as far as decision day goes, this is going to be one of the best decision days, I think, for MLS in a long time yeah. because you have all that jostling for seeding in the East. Mm -hmm. And out West, it's the same thing. But out West, you have teams. There are so many crazy wild scenarios out West. Think about this. Despite the fact that they were definitely the worst team for probably the first half of the season, even worse in Cincinnati, and had crazy things like coaches getting fired, the literal plague, Colorado could still make the playoffs. Yeah. The Colorado Rapids can make the playoffs in the Western Conference because MLS. Yep, yep. And, uh, and that's where I think uh, there's a love and a hate for that type of scenario uh, to happen in terms but, of some team that is doing that. I mean... It's great, but then it's also like... The literal plague, AJ. They had the literal plague. <sighs> two through seven, and I think even... Oh, I think nine through two, actually. I'm not hating Everything... on the Rapids. I'm hitting on the scenario that you can be that mediocre and still yes. just trudge in. Basically, LAFC and then everyone else. The everyone else, anyone can finish anywhere at this point in time. It is wild. Yeah, but uh, moving on from that, Julian Gressel's goal against the Montreal Impact is up for goal of the week, so voted the winner. And, uh, but it's got some pretty tasty competition actually against that as well. Atuesta had a pretty good pretty Yeah, the good goal. two LAFC goals, uh, hopefully they just kind of vote against each other pretty much. And then, you know, Julian Gressel wins. These things really, I mean, all in all, they don't matter. But, you know, it's always good to win these polls. So, uh, and make the rest of MLS fans mad. But, uh, yeah, so moving on from that, Julian, or Justin Miram is pulling out of the, or declined the Iraqi call-up um, because, yeah, the MLS playoffs are starting at a kind of weird time that if he did go, it would be some crazy travel on him. He would be probably just absolutely knackered. So it's and that's why there's that gap good. between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs right. is the October international break. Right. And so, yeah, with that, I mean, I think it's, it's wise on his part because I think he wants to be able to do his best and play a part uh, for the MLS playoffs. So, you know, uh, and another positive, Joseph Martinez will also not be going on international yes. duty <laughs> after he released a Pretty scathing letter talking about his disagreements and the toll that the Venezuelan national team was taking on his mental health. He talked about how bad of a time he had at the Copa America and how stressful and how much of a, of a negative impact it had on his mental health and mental well-being. So Joseph will not be playing for Venezuela anytime soon or at least until they change the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. I don't think many people in Atlanta are too unhappy about that. I don't think so because, yeah, he's had some kind of spells where he did get injured on international duty, but obviously he is injured now, so he won't be able to go anyway, but... Uh, he did post a video of him running. He did, and that was that blew the internet, uh, at least Atlanta United uh, social media, just ablaze. Did not expect that. Yeah, and uh, it's always great to see, uh, you know, someone that uh, just has that fire be able to get back uh, on their feet, literally. But um, yeah, and so you know, it's a uh, it's it's good in that regard. But obviously, he's still a ways away. His timetable still to be determined. They pretty much, I don't think, will actually announce it, uh, just for the opponent's sake. They just 
they're gonna kind of make them be in the dark so that uh, it will be a surprise if he is able to come back. But you could do a solid. Well, I mean, it didn't matter because both of our teams are trash. But how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was like, Paul Pogba's out and Marcus Rashford's out, and then on Monday yeah, somehow both. they're both starting. Boom. Or it's like, hey, I mean, again, we're both didn't make a difference. Didn't make a difference. <laughs> hey, Tottenham lost seven two today. Exactly. Um, but Sucks you know, to fans. say, no, sorry, um, to be, you know, Joseph might not be in, play those mind games, and then maybe the team plans, okay, Joseph Martinez is out, and then Joseph Martinez is starting, and it's just like, well, that changes everything. Exactly. So, the whole game plan goes out the window if you're that opponent. Mind games. Yes. Do it. Perfect. So I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being in the dark if that leaves the opponents in the dark. But uh, so moving on from that, Tyler Martino was speaking about MLS, said just some gold things like he usually does. He says, in Atlanta, I felt like a boy playing video games. We built a team out of nowhere, and fortunately, everything worked out. Worked out it did with the uh, MLS Cup, for sure. Uh, he also said, quote, MLS is already seen as a step up, uh, or a step to jump to Europe. At some point, it will have the same significance as the NBA does. And that's on uh, the uh, Spanish newspaper AS. And so... I mean, do you buy that? I mean, I'm not we're sure not what he means by yet, the but. NBA bit because the NBA yeah. bit's like asserting that it's the best league in the world, and I don't see that happening for a while because like the, everyone comes here for the NBA, and yeah. they don't come to the NBA and then like go to Europe. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure what he meant by that, but you know what? Yeah. All I can say is I miss Tata Martino. Yeah. <laughs> I really miss him because it was just you felt when you lost, it was like okay, we lost. It wasn't just like. Why did we do what we did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's just like, why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah, and at <sighs> least the, uh, yeah, I mean, at least for a while, the Tata Martino, like, I think the stamp of his style is just still, uh, you know, it's apparent in this team. I can't believe I'm sure. saying this, but I miss pragmatism. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. But uh, so anyway, we'll move on from that. And uh, Atlanta United players, they got to guess their FIFA 20 ratings. Uh, in a video put out by the uh, the team, and some funny things came out of that. Uh, I think some of the players already pretty much know their ratings pretty much because they play the game so damn much that Teeter. they already know. <laughs> exactly. Franco, uh, probably Eric Rometty. I mean, it's just like, uh, so when they were guessing, they were very close anyway. Uh, Flo Pogba and Dion Pereira, they were a little far off. I think maybe they played less of that, maybe. Uh, and then Gressel, um, I think it was Parky and um, I can't remember the other Nagby. person that was with them. Yeah, Nagby. Yeah, and um, yeah, they had a, a fun time guessing their uh, you know their ratings as well. Pretty off as well. But my my bonus pick is uh, you know, and I think the players are right. Franco Escobar at seventy pace. That's, yeah, that's that's really low. He's one of the fastest players he's on the team. He's defending lower than Eric Rometty as well. Yeah, that's. Uh, and he, yeah, it was like you Eric could tell Rometty. he was not happy. <laughs> yeah, Eric Rometty was like, uh, shake my hand, shake my hand, and Franco was like, no, nah, not having it. Nah. Screw that. Uh, and you might have noticed our backdrop just uh, oh, just dropped, but yeah, this happens from time to time. But uh, but you know, uh, it was a fun video, and if you haven't checked it out, go check it out on their social media. But um, yeah, a heartwarming thing uh, with the uh, um, Unite and Conquer Cancer uh, series that uh, Atlanta United have been putting out. Uh, it was Braguzan and Tyson, and it, <laughs> Goose learning how to floss is uh, probably something we all didn't really need to see, but it was funny to see nonetheless. But we're glad we did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, he, I think as many of the people that are slightly older than uh, the crowd that does floss, was very discombobulated in actually flossing, so just 
Pretty sure it's if, kind you're, of if you're older than like 16 and you don't play Fortnite, you can't do it. Yeah, probably. But I, I think there's some coordinated folk that are in their 20s probably that uh, I can't could, do it. could show us up. But yeah, I mean, I end up looking <laughs> like the uh, you know the like the big inflatable men that you put in front of a car. Oh, sure, exactly. Place. Yeah, it's just like and it's just all over the place. Their that, hands are up what, though. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying in terms of the hands never being in the right place, sure. it'd be the same thing. But at the bottom, it is gotcha. just a bit. Yeah. All right. But uh, moving on to Atlanta United two. Uh, whoa, 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 uh, whoa. Don't forget about the champions. Oh, yes, yes. Brad Guzan was in, uh, you know, the Bleacher Report football uh, series called The Champions, kind of a uh, bachelor or kind of, um, you know, just a reality show kind of uh, parody. And yeah, the fact that we made uh, a cameo in that. Twice. Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so it's, 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 it's this light little cartoon parody of the Champions League and the teams that are in it. And for some reason, Brad Guzan was in it, and also the Atlanta bus pulled up, which was funny. And so yeah, a couple of shout outs in that. I'd like to continue to see them. That would be a funny running joke throughout yeah. throughout the whole series. But if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It is very funny yeah. indeed. And, uh, and why we're in it, uh, I can only speculate, but I think it's because you know, Bleacher Report is owned by Turner Sports, and Turner Sports is based in Atlanta, and there you go. I mean, you know, ergo facto, and then maybe what the Atalanta thing. Yeah, because Atalanta from Italy is in the Champions League, right. but no one knows where they are, so it's like you could probably joke about it there in Bergamo, by the way. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, now we move on to LA United 2, and Andrew Carlton and George Campbell, both of our homegrowns, have made the list of 20 under 20 for the USL. So congrats to them for that. So I think that's a pretty prestigious uh, achievement there. And, you know, there's only 20 guys being selected from that. Um, and uh, so in terms of their matches, on Wednesday night, uh, they defeated Indy 11-2-1. And Andrew Carlton, he netted a game winner. And, you know, they uh, are on a good streak. And George Campbell got his first professional goal. So yeah. those two guys, well, that's probably why they're in the list. Yeah. It's actually a really nice goal from Carlton. He did yeah. a guy in and then slotted home. His form has been improving a little bit yes. recently for the twos now that he's playing consistently. So <laughs> you got to hope that he can continue that path and get his mind right. And we'll see if he can make an impact for the first team at any point in time yeah. in the future. Hopefully so. Uh, and then they picked up a 1-1 draw on Saturday against St. Louis FC. And that uh, that familiar, familiar guy, Amir Bashti, scored his first goal as well uh, to you know, allow us to pick up that 1-1 draw. Uh, great to see him on the score sheet. He blasted that home. That was a good, good goal. Uh, and that puts the unbeaten streak at 5 for Atlanta 2 That's which something is new and different. New team record. That's great. Uh, and they'll play the Pittsburgh Riverhounds on Saturday, and they have three more matches, including that one, for the regular season. And so, wow. I mean, that's... Uh, they, the fact that they have more games than us left is still kind of interesting, but it's because this truncated MLS season for 2019. And then lastly, LA United 2 defender Tyler Ruffman has announced that he's going to retire at the end of the season. Uh, the 31-year-old center back has played for us for the last two seasons, and so congrats on a great career. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's just one of those guys that kind of has floated around USL, but He's actually a native of Marietta, Georgia, if I recall. Yeah, as well. So I don't think he has to go far from home to go to training. Exactly. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, that's just like, you know, pretty much being where uh, you were born and then just, uh, I mean, wow, that's... Uh, it's coming full circle, definitely. Yeah, incredible. But um, so uh, that does it for the news and it gets us to our buy or sell segment. And simply we say that if we buy or sell an LA United topic, first topic is Carlos Vela will break 
Joseph Martinez's goal scoring record of 31 by himself. By playing Colorado, he's going to play. He'll probably get a penalty for like his 13th penalty of the season, whatever the hell it is. He's gotten way too many. Of course, he's going to score. It's so frustrating, but with how they play, with how he's been, he's winning MVP this year. I hate him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to uh, not say bye, but I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that there's some magic that happens. That maybe Prairie Dogs get, get plague it. again and they leave Carlos Vela home. I'm gonna say that it's still the the he has only tied the record. And if it's doesn't. a penalty, I'm gonna be freaking pissed. I know, right? Because I mean, it, there's a very strong chance that that might might happen. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. I don't want to see it. But I don't want to see it either. I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. Plague. <laughs> but uh, next topic is, you will buy FIFA 20 by yourself. I'm selling that right now. I'm not buying FIFA 20. It is broken. I'm a career mode man. And having read everything and seen what's been going on and having played the beta, or the closed beta, uh, the questions for the press conferences got old because they used the same ones over and over totally. again. And apparently every single team plays the reserves against you or in the computer mm -hmm. games. And it's just kind of broken right now. And Ugh. again, I'm a career mode guy. And if it's not working, then what's the point for me playing it? I don't play foot because I'm not gonna get roped into spending money <laughs> on gambling. That, yeah. So yeah, until they fix it, and mostly because I'm mad at EA Sports and EA Games right now, I'm not gonna buy it for a little while. I do yeah. wanna get it at some point, maybe yeah. when it's on sale and they fix it. But right yeah. now, nope. Yeah, uh, it's gotten really mixed reviews for sure. Uh, I think it's somewhere floating around like an 81 on Metacritic, but it's still very positive, I think. But uh, it's still one of those, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to check out Volta, but that's one of those things you can go to really GameStop for, yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know try it out. But uh, I think it's also, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact is is that FIFA does kind of uh, it turn out the pretty much the same exact game, just add a few new features. Um, you know the whole uh, you know the hunter career mode. Yeah, that's thing. done that with was, now. Yeah, Volta's is hard. Like, I played that. And it was difficult. I could not figure out how to score. It was just the, the shooting controls were not very refined in that. Mm -hmm. I I hope Pez is better. Like I really hope Pez starts improving again. Most of our viewers don't remember Pez actually used to be better than FIFA. I know you remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember that Pez was a better game. But it hasn't been for a while after it lost all its licensing. But exactly. honestly, I'd like Pez to get better so it would challenge EA and challenge FIFA to get better because, yeah, most of the time they add some nice little, like, whatever cosmetic features, but the game itself hasn't really improved. The physics have continued to struggle, I think, ever since they've been using Frostbite, but I'm not going to get into the details of that. It could be better, and I think yeah. that's the biggest thing with it. And it's paying $60 for just updated rosters is kind of a tough pill for me to swallow. Right. Okay. And they added the bins in the last game, so I'm still happy. Yeah, exactly. You can still buy FIFA 19 and maybe get that. This is not an anti-FIFA 20 uh, ad or anything like that, or like a campaign, but it's just like our right honest now. feelings about it. But uh, so that does it for buy or sell and gets us to mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Dean Hufford for who has impressed you more playing as a wingback, Gressel or Miram? It's actually a really interesting question. I think it's hard for, I'm gonna say Miram and here's why. I knew that Gressel could play wingback after last season. If you'd have asked me this question last season with it's impressing me that he's playing it, yes. But I think going into the season, we kind of figured that that is his best position on this team and we know what he can do in that position. He's comfortable there. But I did not know that Justin Miram could play wingback. 
And because of that, he's definitely impressed me. He's obviously not perfect. Defensively, he has his issues, but the way he's been able to adapt to the role and what he's added to the team by allowing him to be on the pitch via playing that role, it's been impressive and yeah. he adds another dimension and, and I really like what that does. Yeah, I don't think Justin Miram even knew that he could play wing back uh, before this season or if uh, when he first played the position this season. So yeah, I mean definitely uh, he's taken into it like like a duck to water because yeah, I mean it's one of those things where uh, he has been getting forward for us. That's what we were lacking, a person that was competent on the ball to be able to give service from the left and that was I think the uh, I think the, the X factor that really allowed him to uh, kind of uh, kind of be that stalwart in the uh, the wing left wing back position. And so yeah, absolutely, I agree. It's got to be Miram because of the same reasons there. And uh, yeah, I mean the fact that we have two uh, pretty attacking wing backs with that quality is fantastic. Anyway, so uh, next question comes from A Watkins one two three. Is Atlanta United nothing without Joseph Martinez? Harsh question. That's a, that's a bit harsh. I'm going to say no. I don't think Atlanta has performed that great since he's gone down, but obviously you're always going to suffer when you have a guy that scores the goals like he does. I think Petey Martinez, despite the result in New York, I thought he played decent, and I thought he had a pretty solid game against Montreal as well. I think Ezekiel Barco coming back helps you out a lot. You really have to look at what you get out of Tito and Brandon Vasquez. Vasquez has had his moments, but he hasn't been fantastic in the last two matches. He's missed some chances that I would expect him to score. Tito definitely offers you some pace and some uh, dynamic presence on the pitch because of how he can stretch things, but I still think he's recovering his form and recovering his fitness. Mm. So you have to see what you get. But if Barco and Pity are both fit, Atlanta are still a very strong team. Obviously, they're not with Gorgos and Martinez, but any team when you take that player out. Look what happens to LAFC when you remove Carlos Vela, or I imagine Galaxy if you take out Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Players of their quality in MLS make a massive difference because you don't have these stacked rosters. Right. But I don't think they're nothing without Joseph Martinez. Right. Yeah, because I mean, I think you also see, uh, to build on what you're saying, uh, yeah, like uh, Julian Gressel, who always steps up in that seed when we do need goals. And uh, yeah, I think when you have the team pretty much built around a Jose Martinez, essentially, uh, you know, most of the team trying to feed him the ball, I mean, it's going to be a lot different for the team when they don't have that talisman, when they're not trying to, uh, you know, play a certain way just to get, you know, that striker the. Uh, the chances that he gets. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, are we nothing? Uh, I don't think we're nothing, but I think we still have uh, very, very talented players. I think they just need some time to acclimate to be able to, um, you know, I think put away some of the chances. Because I think you saw against Montreal, I mean, there were a plethora of chances. Uh, and it's just a matter of kind of getting those reps in those positions in actual games. So. Uh, next question comes from Hype Monster. Should there be a change in tactics when we reach the postseason? I think at this point in time, to change tactically would be very, very difficult. Um, Casa Martino, yes, he changed, but it, it was for a much more pragmatic system. And you had a kind of a stable season up until that point as well. Atlanta has not had that this year. There's been a lot of changing. There's been a lot of ebbs and flows. I think to change things drastically at this point in time could be very difficult, especially without Joseph Martinez, because you're having to ask the players to acclimatize to a new system in addition to not having their best player. And that's kind of a multi-layered thing that could make things very difficult. And again, you most likely are going to be facing off against New England, and they're a very solid team. So I'd like there to be a bit I'd like there to be a bit more pragmatism, yes, a bit more 
you know, being a, a bit more defensive, absorbing some some attacks, maybe playing a Jeff Lorenowitz instead of an Eric Hermetti. But I think it'd be simple tweaks. I don't think you can do massive things and change the whole system. Maybe a mm -hmm. little bit just of the mindset and the attacking impetus that you put in the game. But mm -hmm. outside of that, major changes, I, I wouldn't make any. Yeah, I think uh, I think it is one of those things where that pragmatism on the road, I think, is what is necessary. Uh, that could be the change that I think uh, should and I think I would want to happen in terms of uh, because I mean we've been pretty hard on the road this season uh, pretty much the opposite like I've said of last season and if we are playing a road match at Yankee Stadium I would hope that yeah we play drastically different from what we played uh, this season there so I would play on the counter dude like 100% exactly. I know that's against the MO that's and how we were successful last like, season that's how we beat them last year it's like yeah. look play Jeff Lorenowitz start him from the get go if you have to play a three man midfield proper to clog things up to allow you to be more disciplined defensively mm -hmm. do it you cannot leave yourself open on the road in MLS. You cannot leave yourself open against the top teams. And not even just MLS. You wouldn't do it in Europe. You, you know, if you're playing in the Champions League, you have to be smart, compact. Don't get five, six guys ahead of the ball when you're on the road. You have the players and the pace to play on the break. That would be the only way, the only changes I would make is, is for that. And yeah. For a game away to NYCFC, but that, or if you have an MLS Cup away to an LAFC, mm -hmm. that makes sense. But outside of that, you know. Yeah, we, we can't be caught in one-on-one -on -one battles, uh, you know, going to goal because it's just like, yeah, we got torched, obviously, against NYCFC. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, we would have to probably sit a little bit further than we usually do and, yeah, not try to play them straight up. It's just unfortunate. But uh, that's, you know, that's a way and a tech that has worked. So uh, next question comes from Amanu Dewitt. Uh, now that Parkey has announced he's retiring, who should be the captain next season? I mean, I think a lot of that depends on who's here next season. Yes. I think the roster could see a lot of turnover this year with MLS rules probably changing mm -hmm. and some player contracts possibly coming uh, to their conclusion. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for me, I think I think there's two players that will definitely be here next season. I think that's Brad Guzan and I think it's Joseph Martinez. Yeah. For me personally, I would give it to Joseph Martinez. But I could see why he could go to, say, a Brad Guzan or something. But Joseph, from his attitude on the pitch, his attitude in the training ground, to yeah. the respect that he holds in the locker room, mm -hmm. I'd love to see him as our captain. And it would make just so much sense. And it has something else that you need to put on the trophy, that armband. Yeah. Not the uh, trophy, the statue. <laughs> the statue, exactly. Uh, yeah, it definitely really uh, kind of uh, kind of pretty much uh, relies on who's actually in the team, like you were saying. Uh, and that's a massive thing. If they are in the team and if it stays, like, kind of – mostly status quo uh, obviously you have uh, you know a few guys that you can kind of choose from yeah the two that you mentioned as well as maybe an LGP as well as maybe a Julian Gressel um, maybe even a Jonathan Nagby if he's uh, again you know in the squad and so please still be here yeah it's one of those things where it's uh, you prefer it to be an outfield player I think Joseph is already kind of a spiritual leader anyway it's uh yeah I mean I don't think you could go wrong with Joseph Martinez, Julian Gressel, they all, they both show very, very uh, strong leadership qualities. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, uh, it, again, yeah, it could be either one of those and I'd be happy with that. So, um, last question comes from Oso De Costa. What do you think will be a more important acquisition this offseason? A center back or a central defensive midfielder? Number two. Central defensive midfielder, 1,000%. With the emergence of Miles Robinson this season and assuming you hold on to an LGP, even if you, say, lose an LGP, but you still have a Franco Escobar, 
if you want to play with a back three or a back four, that mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Jeff Lorenowitz might be retiring. You might be losing Darlington Nagby. Mm -hmm. You have to get a central defensive midfielder, especially if MLS rules loosen up and you can afford to get a higher quality central defensive midfielder. Someone who's good, both good on the ball, but can read the game and break up play is vital. That's mm -hmm. something that this team is missing, clearly. That's why Rometty and Nagby struggle at times because Rometty, for all the running that he does, positionally, he's not great and he could possibly be a little bit tidier on the ball as well. So for me, if you can get someone to sit at the base of that midfield and anchor it and provide a cover to your defense and some cover to Miles Robinson, that would be a massive addition to Atlanta United. Right, especially if Jeff Lawrence does move on, if he retires or if he, I don't know. I mean, he's he's our six. And that's the, the crazy part. He hasn't announced anything about retiring. So, I mean, he's that t type of perfect guy. Uh, in his prime, he would be that, that person that would be uh, fitting that profile, but He's not. And so, yeah, uh, I think I agree. It definitely has to be uh, a midfielder. It has to, because yes, you know, at center back, I think we've found that we can find, uh, you know, some options that, um, you know, can kind of, you know, in the steed of those type of things. And definitely I, I want an LGP to stay uh, because, you know, on his day, he's still one of the best center backs in the league. So yeah, I agree. It's a midfielder. So uh, that does it for the mailbag and gets us to the match preview. And this, it's decision day. It's New England Revolution and it's at Mercedes-Benz. Everybody plays at the same time, 4 p.m. Eastern time. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, it, there's a lot of ways we can approach this. We could play them how we are normally gonna set up and, you know, really just, uh, you know, do how we normally do, or, you know, uh, we can play them differently and then hope for a win. There's a few ways because, yeah, I think the onus and the focus should be on getting the W because that gets us a higher seed and, you know, we can worry about the other things as they come. But if we try to mess about, maybe there's some other things that, uh, you know, we might drop to third and then there's some other things. It, it really, yeah, it starts to encompass of you know, like, what is Frank DeBoer going to do? Is he going to play his full hand or not? For me, personally, I play the full hand. You're not, well, what you have available to you as a full hand. I still don't think Ezekiel Barco is going to start this game. I think we'll come on as a second half substitute, and you're not going to have Joseph Martinez. So off the bat, you're not going to look like what you could potentially look like come the 19th if New England Revolution is the team that you do indeed matching, end up matching up with. Mm -hmm. They want to come and beat Atlanta United. And make, let's make that oh, clear. Sure. They, want to they don't want to come back to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They prefer to play a different team, whether that be a Philadelphia or a Toronto. Mm -hmm. I think you don't mess about, but your team's already going to be different regardless of who you play. Mm -hmm. Play your system, play how you're supposed to, don't mess about because if you mess about and try to be cute, they're more than capable of coming here and beating Atlanta United as and well. And they've shown recently that they just beat NYCFC who, uh, yeah, maybe they were just a little distracted. Bam, there it is. Uh, they lost 2-0. And so, you know, uh, I think, you know, Revolution are uh, in a kind of strange bit of form as well. I mean, yes, they beat uh, NYCFC and they got into the playoffs for the first time since 2015, but in their last six... That's their only win. Yeah, they've, that's their only win. They've lost one and drawn four. So, yeah, it's been a very spotty, uh, kind of shaky bit of form. And for us, yeah, I mean, we've lost three, one, two, and drawn one in our last six. So we are in just as spotty of a form as well, uh, just slightly better. But in terms of our previous matchups against them, 
Everybody remembers that 7-0 win at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, I mean, that's just, I think, one of our hallmark wins. Still, so fun. Um, and I think uh, I, I will watch the, the highlights here and there just to, you know, make myself smile just uh, once in a while. But uh, also, in that 2017 year, we drew them nil-nil uh, in that slog fest at uh, Gillette Stadium. In 2018, it was a 2-1 win at home and a 1-1 draw on the road. And then in 2019, we played them earlier this year. On the road, it was a 2-0 win. So, uh, we, we play them pretty strong uh, so far uh, with a few draws in there. But uh, in terms of how they play, they're uh, definitely, yeah, a team that likes to create a lot of chances through through balls, through uh, long balls, and really attempt a lot of crosses from the wings. And so... Um, Sounds like they're dangerous on the counter. Yeah. And so we have shown that we're, we've been a little frail at that lately, uh, and especially with a ball over the top. It's been uh, just kind of our undoing, and it's, yeah, something that we need to curb. Um, yeah, they are a team that, yeah, they probably won't keep the ball a whole lot, so we'll probably have the lion's share of that. Uh, and they are quite bad at defending set pieces and against defending uh, the attacks on the wing. And so, you know, that really bodes well for us because we have some pretty strong wing play with Justin Miram and Julian Gressel. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they are a team that I think, uh, you know, they could set up to really try to frustrate us and then uh, you know get that you know direct ball over the top and then it's uh, you know game on they're gonna try to uh, you know score and be efficient from the few chances that they get and uh, hopefully you know in our regard we are just equal to it and at least can uh, you know just stop any of their attacks like that but um, yeah I mean Parkhurst he had something to say about this uh, um, yeah, going in that uh, it's a home game and we want to go into the playoffs feeling good. We want to and expect to win that game. New England is a team that's played really well since the change of managers. It's always difficult this time of year. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. But regardless of what they do for us in the standings, of what that does for us in the standings, we expect to win our home games. And so, uh, yeah, they have the right mindset going in. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bruce Arena has really, you know, brought them up, uh, and uh, somehow, yeah, I mean, Brad Friedel, yeah, was pretty much, he was almost asking to be fired earlier this season, I think. He was terrible. And uh, Bruce Arena has kind of uh, somehow miraculously gotten them into the playoffs. I hate Bruce Arena. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're, they, you know, actually have some talent in their team, though, because uh, some of their players to watch, Carlos Heal at 10 goals uh, and Gustavo Bo at 9 goals. I mean, you're the, you're really spreading the goals around and Teal Bunbury, the uh, the infamous Teal Bunbury who's been around forever, has 6 goals. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they have some, you know, some talent I think that could put the ball in the back of the net. It's just a matter of us yeah, making sure that they uh, they cannot do that. Uh, so in terms of uh, their injured players Edgar Castillo, he remains out with a rib injury, and that pretty much is it. So they have mostly a full uh, full squad to really select from. And of course, we have Joseph Martinez out and Breck Shea out. So, uh, you know, we uh, we have a lot of uh, you know options as well, but what are we going to do, right? So in terms of the keys to this match, yeah, there's, I think, you know, like we said, uh, or like I said just uh, a second ago, 
because of their weak defending on the, the wings, we can attack them with Julian Gressel and Justin Miriam. I think uh, they, yeah, they are, I think, uh, primed for this type of match for sure because um, their service is generally pretty damn good. Justin Miriam, uh, you know, usually going up to the byline and, uh, you know, crossing his with, with his left as well. Uh, you know, we will find a variety of chances, I think. And I think that'll put a highlight on Brandon Vasquez as well, if he's yeah. assuming he starts. Mm -hmm. Because if there's good crosses coming into the box, he has to be able to use his physicality. He has that size that you don't really get from a lot of players. Although Joseph does, you know, jump like an NBA player. But still, Brandon Vasquez could find himself in some very nice opportunities mm -hmm. with the ball coming into the box to hopefully put some goals away. But I think that leads into the second one, which is Atlanta has to finish her chances. Yeah. Because if we don't finish our chances against the New England Revolution, you could see a situation like a Montreal where you draw, or like a Columbus Crew where you lose at home. If you fla if you faff about and don't take advantage of their defensive deficiencies, then you could find yourself on the wrong end of a scoreline. And keeping that concentration and making sure you don't give away those easy chances and then concede, mm -hmm. that's something that has been plaguing Atlanta United recently, both home and away. So it's going to be really important that not only do they bear their chances, but they stay switched on defensively at all times when right. we have the ball. Right, and uh, and that's where it is where uh, you know they love to attack down uh, their right, and so on our left, LGP or Amiram or whomever plays, yeah, we have to make sure that we control them and really limit their chances because yeah, I mean it, it is, yeah, they uh, I think teams have learned to target us at our. Uh, right and left center back positions. So yeah, we have to be weary of that. Uh, also, we have to use the support energy because I think uh, you know they know when we're at home, it's just uh, it's a different ball game. Um, you know, and they know that if they're feeling just even a little bit fatigued, that they can draw up from uh, just the the energy that's in the stadium. And so yeah, they need to ab absolutely at least. Um, you know, know that it's decision day, know the stakes, and, uh, you know, I think play accordingly. But, uh, yeah, so that gets us to our predicted starting 11. Let's go through the lines here. And you and I agree at literally every position on this. Yeah, one, okay. So, so uh, yeah, we'll go in. Guzan, of course, between the sticks, uh, we have, I think, Escobar, Robinson, and LGP. Uh, unfortunately, Parky doesn't play a part, I think, uh, in this, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, these guys can do the job uh, and I think organizing against the New England Revolution, it's a weaker side. I think uh, we'll be okay. Hopefully we will anyway. And you have two weeks and if your first team's fit between between now and the playoffs, your first team's fit and you play them, they need yeah. that game action. That's exactly. important with the two-week layoff. Right. So getting into the midfield, we both have Gressel at right wing back, obviously. Mm -hmm. Then Jeff Lorinowitz in the middle of the park, Darlington Nagby, and then Justin Miram. I think it's really important that Jeff Lorenz play this game. Yes. The team is different when he is there. This is a team that loves to play on the counter. You will have most of the possession. And Jeff Lorenowitz provides you a calming presence in the middle. He is a true six. He will sit there. He will help dictate possession. He will be able to switch the ball for you, but he will also be able to sniff out counterattacks if and when you lose the ball. For all the good work that Eric Rometty does, his positioning is definitely one of his weaker points. Mm -hmm. But that is not what Jeff Lorenowitz has as a weakness. Mm -hmm. He knows when and where teams want to attack, where they want to go, and he stops that from happening. And I think that will be a vital part for Atlanta United, not just in this game, but I think moving into the playoffs as well. Yeah, especially if there's a team that wants to hit us on the counter. I mean, that's, you know, he's that guy that sits in the middle of the park that can control that and will mitigate any of those uh, type of chances. 
or most of the chances anyway. But uh, that gets us to uh, kind of our more forwards anyway. Uh, so in the number 10 uh, position, I think we have Emerson Hyman, who uh, has been doing a great and solid job uh, of late. And um, yeah, I mean, he provides that solidity in case uh, of uh, you know any defensive actions that need to happen from that 10 position as well. And plus that back heel flick was tasty. And uh, as he always does, he loves that one too. So, uh, you know, I think he returns in that, uh, in that seat. And I think Barco does come on later at some point. Uh, I just don't think he starts. And so that means that PT and Vasquez start for both of us up top. And uh, I think it's been uh, kind of, yeah, PT and Vasquez kind of have a connection together as well as well as Vasquez and Miram. So it's been, uh, you know, in terms of that service to him, in terms of Vasquez, it's been good. It's just a matter of him putting away his chances. Yeah, he's just got to uh, be more composed and uh, have that poise to put away these chances. But um, yeah, I think Tito does come on afterwards, but uh, in terms of starting this match, I'm just not sure that uh, there's gonna be really any space for him to play uh, in terms of getting it behind or any of that. It's just going to be a little bit tougher. So, uh, in that regard, then, let's get to our score predictions. What do you got? I've got a 2-1. I think that for Atlanta United, scoring two goals is something they struggle to do without Joseph Martinez. But I think at home against New England Revolution, if you get two, you can definitely get all three points. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I do think New England will score. We just have not been great defensively recently, and it seems that we have a goal ship in us every single game. And they're dangerous in the counterattack, and they've been playing decent against good teams, and they want to go out and put put in a good performance and a good shift. So I think they will get a goal, but I think Atlanta United takes all three points. Yeah. Uh, very similarly, we have the exact same predictive scoreline. It is 2-1 for me as well because, yes, it is going to be difficult to put uh, the ball in the back of the net because we just kind of have him in uh, Joseph Steed, but I think we have enough uh, in this, and I'm hoping that maybe Miles Robinson gets a uh, headed goal uh, because, yeah, he's been pretty much winning so many balls in the box. It's just a matter of... One of these days, he's gonna put on target and he's gonna put him away and uh, get it, uh, get it in the net. And so, hopefully, that happens. I think agreed. Yes, uh, we've been a little bit fragile at the back, and so yes, that will happen. But getting three points, nonetheless, and us getting pretty much second place in the East. Uh, I think most people would not have guessed that in the like eighth game of the season for sure. And so I think all in all, it speaks to the mediocrity in the East, but also I think, um, you know, the turnaround that has happened. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, if that were, it's a pretty decent season as well as two trophies to go in that. Yeah, it ain't too bad. So uh, yeah. Uh, that does it for the match preview, and that gets us to our question of the day. And your question of the day is this. Would you trot out a different lineup or use different tactics against the New England Revolution to throw them off for a potential playoff rematch come two weeks from now? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to say. All right, guys, it's giveaway time, and so to thank you guys for your support, all you got to do is comment your score prediction in the comments below for our match against the New England Revolution. And... We'll randomly choose a winner of that Tito Bishalba signed Atlanta United ball and we'll announce it on next week's show. So get in the comments, let us know, and we'll choose the winner. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. For Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening to the 100th episode. Yeah.